This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 41, Miller Time, recorded on August 4th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, with your hosts, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you? I'm a lot better at the end of today's game than I was at the start of today's game, the way this series has gone. But uh, a win does a lot to to, uh, to brighten my mood. Well, I'm pretty sure after those first three games, according to Twitter, the season's over anyway, so it doesn't even matter that they won and they could win another 14 in a row, so... Hey, there's, there's a draft pick to play for. Oh, wait, no, you want to lose the draft pick. Never mind, I've got nothing on it. <laughs> the season's just doomed. That's it. There's nothing There's nothing to it. Yeah, Twitter's been interesting in this series. It's never fun getting blown up by a team, let alone the Twins, but just this season, the Twins, whatever. I mean, it's, I don't think it's been this bad before, but just three games in a row, double-digit losses, all terribleness. Welcome to the Indians, Andrew Miller. Yeah, so, I think, uh, you know, I wrote today about you know, Salazar, who we'll get back to more, uh, and then Carrasco and Bauer were all just terrible. None of them lasted four innings. They all gave up, you know, six to eight runs before they were chased. Uh, and I wrote today that the Indians have literally never had their starting pitcher do that three days in a row. Uh, and this, those are three really good pitchers. It's not like, you know, it had been one thing like, you know, August of 2012 when the Indians were just miserable if something like this had happened. Uh, but to a last place team, three good pitchers doing that is not something uh, I would have expected. Yeah, the longest outing was, what was it, like Carrasco at 3.1 innings? <laughs> and in those first two games, Cody Anderson pitched four innings. And that was more than any starter before Mike Clevenger, Clevenger got into the fifth inning today and it was like, man, he's really sparing the bullpen. <laughs> and he wasn't even that good today. No, I mean, he wasn't. He was Thankfully, fine. He was Joe Mark was there to run into 17 outs. <laughs> yes, approximately. He toot bland, which is my favorite baseball acronym. Okay, so uh, we're going to go over those games, of course, and then we'll talk about just such a boring trade deadline. Nothing happened. Indians didn't get anybody. Indians didn't hope to get anybody. Uh, Denny Salazar's injury, and then we're going to have Tanya Bondurant on from Pinstripe Alley. She's going to be on to preview the Yankees. We'll talk about Miller and how they feel about uh, Clint Fraser and all that. Then we got a bunch of good social media questions, most of which were just angry about the twin series, <laughs> but I boiled those down to just a couple that we could answer. And then we got some other stuff in there. So uh, just getting started right with the game recaps. I uh, don't know if you remember, but the Indians actually swept a team over the weekend, <laughs> the Oakland Athletics. Uh, they outscored them 19 to 6, including an 8 0 blowout on Sunday. Then, of course, the twin series happened. They were 1 and 4. First three games, they were outscored 16-35, to and then they finally scored a bunch of runs today. And the good, pretty much the only good pitcher, (laughs) as we mentioned, was Mike Clevenger, the only good starter. But also Sean Armstrong came up for a single game yesterday. He threw two two scoreless innings of relief, and until Clevenger's start today, that was, I'm pretty sure, the most of any Indians pitcher, like the longest he went without collapsing, which was nice, but then he got optioned right back down to... Triple A, uh, and then also Mike Napoli. Over the past week alone, he's been worth 0.7 FanGraphs WAR. So, <laughs> in just a week, he's been almost worth a win over a replacement. So that kind of helps. They had five home runs in a game, or five home runs in a row. Only struck out four times. Abraham Amante was good this week with seven hits and a double. He had a home run. And then Jose Ramirez, uh, 10 hits, two doubles, and two home runs, including that great one today where he swung and spun around. And his helmet stayed on, but it was still great to watch. And on the bad side of things, this doesn't count today's game, but uh, Rajay Davis, the rest of the week, was one for 13 with four strikeouts. And Roberto Perez, one for 11, two walks and three strikeouts. 
to be uh, fair, I'm, both I'm of gonna, our catchers are terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying this. I, I got another week. I can lean on this excuse. He would still be rehabbing by now. I can still say that. I got another week at least. And the whole pitching staff was bad. <laughs> so Corey Kluber, what's Corey Kluber had, he was good in his one start Corey Kluber last week, but not against the Twins. So no, nobody. Yeah, did. it's amazing. I mean. This part of the year, once you get into late July into August, if the team's in contention, how big the mood swings can be. Because uh, like you said, uh, they swept the A's and looked pretty good doing it uh, after, you know, and they split two games with Washington. So they came into the Twin Series having won four of their last five, five game lead in the division. Uh, but man, those three ugly losses erased a lot of that in a hurry. And I think part of the issue is that the Tigers – just kept winning and winning. They finally lost today, but they had won eight in a row. And so while the Indians were losing to the Twins, uh, the lead was shrinking and was all the way down to two uh, coming into today, now back up to three. Uh, so I'm really glad that the, the Royals and White Sox have both joined the Twins and being also Rams, and there's only one team to worry about. <laughs> but I think we're going to be sweating things out the rest of the way, which is fine. If you had offered me Indians and Tigers... Indians with a three-game lead, you know, eight weeks left in the season. I'll take it. Uh, but I am now going to go into, like, day-to-day panic mode. Yeah, I, said, I was thinking during the game, I said on Twitter, that I will take these wild swings ups and up and down, these wild mood swings, over last year when it was just kind of right at around 500 all year long and there was nothing really exciting to cling on to. So I'll take a five-game losing streak in a brutal stretch of a couple games if it means the Indians are still in the lead. Yep, and they will at the moment are still, I think, tied for the best record in the American League and have the best record. It's just like it's it's been a strange few days. Yeah, for sure. I think hopefully it's just the Twins. I don't know what it is with them, but hopefully that's over with now. Um, what do you think of Clevenger's start today? I know we just we mentioned in the intro a little bit, but he kind of looked great <laughs> to me. Um, you know, I thought he could have gone a little longer than he did, but Francona just didn't want to mess around with it. Uh, and, you know, and I mentioned Joe Maurer earlier, who literally made three outs, not 17, but three is a crazy number of outs to make on the bases in one game. Uh, so Clevenger got a lot of help to avoid giving up more runs than he did. Um, but I'm glad he's the guy who got the call to join the rotation while Salazar's out. Uh, you know, and hopefully what he's looked like in AAA this season starts to show up for the Indians soon. Yeah, I mean, his ERA was obviously a lot worse than the other starts, but if you look at him, he looked a lot better for the majority of his other starts in May. It was just like one or two bad pitches in a bad inning where he got blown up, but today he was just missing everything. I thought it was the opposite, actually, if when you said um, he could have stayed in more. I thought it was more he would have been yanked either earlier in that inning or not even started it if the bullpen wasn't so burned out at that point. Because I have to think Tito and Callaway saw how much he was missing everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Uh, I feel like if the Indi- if the bullpen was in the state it was in, but the Indians hadn't lost the last three games, I feel like he would have had a little more rope. And they've been shuffling guys back and forth through Columbus. So the bullpen's got a ton of work, but there's still you know a couple guys in there obviously who could who could get you know multiple outs. Uh, Otero and, and Miller both got four outs today, which was a big help. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Clevenger, again, his AAA numbers this year have been really, really good. Uh, and just sort of waiting for that to, uh, to transfer. And I think it will. I'm still, I don't know why anybody would be completely down on him yet, but I'm still excited for him in the future, I think. And the, you mentioned Andrew Miller, which we'll talk about the actual trade in a little bit, but just the way Tito has used him so far, I am a big fan of it. 
um, he brought him in. It was like one out, or there was there was two outs. You know, the six inning bases were empty, which was kind of I wouldn't want to do that with your best reliever. But he got Byron Buxton out, and then. It was the top of the order in the seventh, and he completely shut that down. And, of course, everybody was yelling and screaming that he wasn't the closer. He was in with a 4-2 lead in the sixth inning. But I thought that was great, and that's pretty much the way I want him to be used. I would think if Tito's going to have would have him as the closer, he would have not used him either in junk time on Monday or whatever it was. And then he, he wouldn't have used him today when he did. So I think it's looking like Cody Allen's going to be the closer, and Andrew Miller is just going to kind of be a floater whenever there's a high-leverage situation, which I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I wasn't surprised that there were a lot of Indians fans, you know, calling for him to immediately be named the closer. Um, But I think this is a much better situation, you know, both because I think it's the ideal usage for Miller, just that you can put him in whatever inning, you know, feels most uh, needed. And I also, I don't know, I I don't know, I have not researched, so I, I can't say this is definitively true. I feel like most closers are less likely to work in multiple innings in the same game than most setup men. Uh, you know, so the way Miller was used today, where, you know, came in to get the last out and then pitched the entire next inning. Allen's used that way occasionally. Um, but I feel like setup men, most managers do that more frequently with those guys. So I like, you know, the possibility of Miller having, you know, the occasional four and five out uh, games in, in situations that call for it. I also think, you know, you look at what happened with the Nationals last year uh, where they had Drew Storen having a really good season as their closer and they figured, well, you can never have enough good relief pitchers and they went out and traded for Papelbon and Papelbon's a bigger name so they immediately made him the closer and in effect demoted Storen and Storen sort of fell apart and Papelbon was no good either and, you know, there's no way to know what would have happened if they hadn't acquired Papelbon or if they had acquired him but not made him the closer but things couldn't have gone much worse for them. So I feel like, you know, Allen's comfortable in that role. You know, he had said before the trade even happened that if there was something like that, he'd be okay getting bumped. Um, but I sure, I'm sure it feels like a vote of confidence to him. And Miller wasn't closing in New York, so he doesn't, you know, feel like he needs to be closing. I feel like this is a much better situation. And I'm mostly on the train of the train of thought of screw bullpen rules. <laughs> I don't care about closers and setup and all that. But especially with the national situation, if they knew he wouldn't like not being a closer, I don't know. Do you get a big enough advantage shuffling around compared to just letting him be happy in the closer role? I would have probably just left him. And then in the Indians case, it wouldn't matter anyway, because both of the guys seem completely open to doing whatever, which is really great. I mean, we don't know what they really thought um, when they weren't in front of a camera, but at the very least, they were saying they were fine with playing anywhere and pitching anywhere, which is always good to hear. But I, I like the way they're being used now. Yeah, well, and I like the idea of Miller not just being the eighth inning is your inning. Um, you know, I mean, it's problematic enough with closers in the ninth inning, but that's so ingrained. Um, but I at least would like, you know, and that's why I was happy seeing Miller come in during the sixth inning today, which yeah, I don't really think he'd good. been used that way for a couple of years. Um, but just instead of just kind of this rote, we get to the eighth inning, that's Miller, then Allen in the ninth, it's... We're going to use Miller whenever it seems most opportune, uh, you know, and Allen's still in, you know, more of a strict closer role, which means usually just the ninth inning. Um, but Miller has been maybe the best reliever in baseball the last few years and, and having a manager who's willing to just put him in whenever it seems needed uh, definitely works for me. Yeah, and can we talk about just how good he looked? Because <laughs> I was kind of like half watching and getting the notes for this all put together. I mean, I was watching with Clevenger. I could 
see the corner of my eye, Roberto's arm was flying up everywhere to catch the ball. But as soon as Miller got in, there was a huge difference. I mean, he was hitting everything, and there was he what struck out two or three out of the four he faced. Three, he's yeah. so good. Yeah, I can't wait to watch more of him. We'll talk about the price they paid for him in a little bit, which maybe isn't the best, but considering he's here now and they got him, I'm excited. I've never been excited for a reliever to come into the game as much as I have been for Miller. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you? Is there any reliever? Because I can't think of any on the Indians that I've been that excited for, just to see him come out of the bullpen. I mean, maybe if you're ever not you were ever a Yankee fan, but maybe Yankee fans can say Rivera, obviously. But yeah, is there any has there any ever been a reliever you're really excited about? It's such like a hodgepodge of closers. Like they've had guys who you know did reasonably well in the role, but guys like Bob Wickman, uh, who did pretty well, but didn't make me feel like this game's over when they came into a run one run game. Um, so no, I've I've always been happy to see that last out, and and otherwise have <laughs> been nervous in close games with whichever reliever was on the mound. Yeah, it's a very good feeling to feel. Very good feeling to have wherever he comes in. So anything else uh, these last few games that stuck out to you? No, um, you know I think even when they were losing to the Twins, uh, you know they scored. I think at least five runs in each of those losses. So the offense continues, uh, you know, to put runs up at a good clip. Um, you know, we'll get into the offense a little bit more when we start to bo- talk about trading and the deadline. But, uh, you know, the offense is, is is holding up its part of the bargain. You know, oddly enough, it was the starting pitching that, you know, torpedoed them against Minnesota. And, uh, you know, there's some concerns about Salazar, certainly. But for the most part, I'm pretty confident in the rotation. So... Uh, in a weird way, if something was going to go wrong, I guess I'm sort of glad it was the starting pitching because if the offense, you know, went four games in a row without scoring or the bullpen was blowing games left and right, that would be a lot more concerning to me. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, a pitcher, it's a different player every day, so it's not like a whole group you're worried about. Right. Yeah, like I it's think- bad timing to have them all lumped together, but none of them had more than one bad game. Yeah, which I don't think many people kind of keep in perspective but it's important to remember that it's just one bad game for several people in a row and they'll get better they weren't they weren't really great in march and or april and may either but we forgot all about that through june <laughs> when they were great but but yeah i'm i'm, I'm fine with where they are uh, looking ahead to the trade down well, looking behind to the trade deadline i guess uh, we can start with what didn't happen the indians almost traded for jonathan lucroy they decided to make the deal at midnight and <laughs> my phone vibrated and First, I thought it was a dream, and then I kind of went back to sleep, then I woke up and thought, maybe that was real. So I got up and wrote at like 1 in the morning about them making the deal. Uh, it was for Francisco Mejia, Greg Allen, Sean Armstrong, and shortstop Yu Cheng Chang. Yu Cheng Chang? I don't know. Um, but anyway, he vetoed it in the morning after all of that. He has a no trade clause with the Indians, which of course the Indians knew going in. But apparently what Luke Roy is saying is the Indians couldn't guarantee him that he would be the starting catcher in 2017 which is his contract year. It's also a club option season. So he reportedly either wanted him to just rip up the club option altogether or quote-unquote guarantee a starting catcher job, which I don't know how they'd even do that. I mean, they could say whatever and then not do it. But but yeah, um, I guess he was afraid he would either get flipped at the deadline or flipped after the season or just be put in a first base DH role. Or he even said backup catcher, which I think is insane. I don't know if the Indians would do that. But what do you make of this whole situation? And was he right to kind of exercise the, the no-trade clause or... He should have came over. To exercise a no-trade clause, if only because it's his no-trade clause. And if he didn't want to go, that's fine. Uh, you know, I mean, it's disappointing to me. And I'll get back to that in a second. But 
if he didn't want to go to the Indians for whatever reasons, uh, you know, he probably took less money than he could have gotten when he signed the deal. And part of the trade-off was having some level of control over where he was playing. Uh, you know, so I feel like if, if I were in his position, it's not the decision I would have made. Um, but I'm well, not in did- his position, and I'm never going to be in his position. And I'm not going to begrudge a guy who's frankly paid way under his market value, uh, you know, from deciding to exercise what minimal amount of control he had. Uh, That said, I don't believe for a second that the Indians were going to acquire him to be a backup or part-time catcher or anything. Um, We already talked about the potential for the Indians to retrade him during the offseason and get back some of the value and prospects and then go back to Jan Gomes. And if that was a problem for him, I can see the Indians not guaranteeing he'd be on the Indians next year, and maybe he didn't want to have to move twice. Uh, but I don't believe for a second they told him, "Oh yeah, you know, we'll probably play you at first base in DH because Jan Gomes will be our primary catcher." I don't. There, I following the Indians closely for years, I just can't believe for a second that this front office would have said something like that. Um, the other thing I wonder about is he obviously, you know, LaCroix couldn't know what was going to happen for sure once he vetoed the trade. He had to know the Brewers were trying to trade him. And anyone following it that closely knew the Indians and Rangers were the two most likely teams. And I said in the comments to someone today or yesterday, I wonder if on some part this was just like a, a gamble he was taking that if he vetoed the trade to the Indians, he would end up on the Rangers, which might have been a situation he preferred for a number of reasons. Um, My only thing with that, though, if he didn't, if he really didn't want to go to the Indians, why not tell the Brewers before they did all this? That's why I think there had to be something that happened towards the end, right? I'm certain, well, the Indians were never going to cancel the team option for next year. Um, I'm sure he would have accepted the trade if they were going to so that he could have hit free agency this year and and gotten paid what he's supposed to next year. So the only thing I can think is, you know, for him, it's worth a chance. It's not like he's talking with the Indians before a trade gets worked out. Um, So, yeah, I mean, once we get into those questions, there's just there's too much that's impossible to know who talked to who, when and what exactly was said and what was asked. Um, you know, the Indians at one point were saying, we're not going to comment on the trade we didn't make. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We can't really dig all of that out. So in terms of like his decision, uh, I'm bummed not to have him because the Indians could sure use him. Uh, but I don't know, I guess I, it, it's always funny to me how worked up a lot of fans get about players doing what they can to control their situation. Um, because all of us want to control our, you know, work situation and living situation. And I know ball players get paid a ton of money, and, I, and that makes it somewhat a different situation. But uh, I don't know. He, it was in his contract. He didn't want to do it for whatever reason. If he didn't want to be here, good riddance. <laughs> yeah, that's basically right. I think it's fun to have a villain. I mean, I don't personally hate him, but I, I, I dislike baseball Jonathan Lucroy. I'm sure he's a fine person, but it's fun having a villain to point to. <laughs> And then, of course, when the, the Rangers play the Indians, that'll be fun. And uh, I don't know if you saw that Chris Jimenez, like, right after the trade, he said it was his loss, and he can't <clears throat> can't wait to face him in the playoffs and all that. So that was cool. <laughs> I don't know. This kind of thing is fun to me. Just this Yeah, point and all of that said, the Indians, it, my gosh, if, like, if there's one player the Indians could use, you know, other than, like, Mike Trout, uh, yeah, it's you know, it would probably Mike, right? be way, way up there. Uh, you know, Gomes, we've talked about, Perez, 
you said you're going to give it another week. Uh, <laughs> at least. I shifted on, to not caring at all about his 400 <laughs> on base percentage from the beginning of the season and just feel like he can't hit it all either. Uh, to get someone who could play maybe even better defense than any of the Indians catchers and be a good hit- hitter uh, would have been a huge boost. And I really, really like, uh, in terms of what the Indians had to give up for him, I was really happy with that trade uh, when I heard about it. So I'm pretty bummed that he decided to veto it, even though I'm not, uh, I don't think it makes him a horrible human being. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's not a bad group they had to give up. I mean, at first, all we knew about was Mejia, Allen, and Chang. We didn't know about Armstrong until like after it was vetoed, but all four of them, that's not, that bad to give up for John, especially considering what they gave up for Andrew Miller. Maybe that just speaks to what player or pitchers are worth in the trade market now. But he is obviously having that huge hit streak. And Allen could be a future outfielder, so maybe in like three or four years we'll be thanking him for not doing the trade. But when the trade was made, I was thinking that Allen, or when the trade was almost made, I was thinking that Allen could end up being almost like how Brantley was the tack-on player in the CC deal. Because I don't know mm-hmm. who he'll be. I'm not calling him Matt Laporta, but he could be really good. He's kind of like not a flashy player, but a lot of scouts think he's like easily one that could be a major league impact. Uh, but yeah, we we said in our last in the last podcast that as long as they didn't trade Zimmer or Frazier, we were perfectly fine with it. And then obviously they didn't. And then then the Andrew Miller trade happened. <laughs> you want to get talking about that? Uh, they gave up. To get Andrew Miller, which of course is this season and then two other seasons, they gave up Clint Frazier and then pitchers, uh, two relievers, J.P. Fireisen, Ben Heller, and then starting pitcher Justice Sheffield. Holy cow, that's a lot for a reliever, even for two and a half years. What do you think of that deal? Yeah, I mean, on the heels of the LaCroix deal, thinking they were both happening, uh, you know, it felt like you know this team's going to be great and you know LaCroix signed for next year and Miller's signed for two more years. So it wasn't just about the next couple of months. So collectively, I was really high on the two trades. The Miller trade by itself, uh, I have much more mixed feelings about. Like you said, it's a really high price. It's obviously the normal price for a great reliever now. Uh, You know, the Cubs gave up almost as much for Chapman, and Chapman's a free agent at the end of the season. So I think the the Cubs did, or the Indians did much better than the Cubs in terms of acquiring a really good reliever. Um, but, you know, Boston gave up a lot to get Craig Kribble. I think, you know, teams value ace relievers a lot more than we, than they seemed to even a few months ago. And I think fans haven't really adjusted to that. Um, part of it is also for me, um, I was more excited about Frazier than Zimmer. So I think the team might not be, but for me mentally, if it had been Zimmer instead of Frazier, I would have, it would have been a little easier to take. And then the other part of this, which is a little silly, but it's just that it's the Yankees. So yeah, it's like, oh, man, the Yankees have gone from having a very mediocre farm system to like one of the two or three best farm systems in the yeah. span of a few days. Uh, and so I'm sort of dreading the fact that they're probably going to be really good again in a couple of years. And they made him shave off his hair. He, I guess he still has some of it I could see behind underneath the hat, but they made him shave off at least some of his red hair because it was stupid. Can we just agree that making adults shave to play baseball is kind of dumb? <laughs> or do you not agree with that? Yeah, it was Andrew Kashner got traded to the Marlins, and the Marlins, who apparently think they're some sort of prestigious organization, <laughs> no facial hair policy, and he had to shave like his mountain man beard. And it was like a weird, like, oh, that's what he looked like. <laughs> Should grow the beard back. Yeah, and apparently Andrew Miller is going to do that too, because the Indians posted that they they asked him, and he said he's not going to shave for a while. So I don't know if you remember, but he was on the Red Sox. He had a huge beard. Yeah. 
that'll be fun. Uh, those rules are stupid. So, yeah, I mean, what they gave up to get him was really steep. Um, yes. But he's a really good relief pitcher, and he signed for two more years. You know, I'm not saying I want them to do this, but same with LaCroix. If they wanted to, they could trade him this offseason and get back a fantastic package because he's still signed for two years. So I'm not saying they should do that, but if they wanted to soften the blow, you know, that's an option. And if they keep him, then they have hope, you know, if he keeps it together, the best relief pitcher they've had in, you know, a while. Yeah, and he could easily be this good through his contract. I mean, it's like two more years, he'll be... It's a two or three. I think it might be three, actually. Either way, it's a couple more years, and he won't be more than, like, 33 by the time it's over. So it's not like they're getting him, and then by the end of the contract, he'll be terrible. But but they gave up a lot. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just somebody who follows the Indians' farm system. That sucks, because J.P. Fire Eisen was, like, one of my favorite prospects as a reliever. Ben Heller can get over 100 miles per hour, and Justice Sheffield's been really good. And then Frazier was the top overall prospect. I don't know. So maybe, like you said, I'm just not caught up to where teams are evaluating relief pitchers yet, but that is just an insane amount, even for three seasons, I think. I mean, if the Indians win... But again, the Cubs gave up almost much to get Chapman for just what's rest of this season. Uh, right. So yeah. in comparison to that trade, I think the Indians did really well. So yeah, that's then, my uh, half full way of looking at it. <laughs> and, and Miller's awesome. That's I mean, that's the half full part of it is, yeah, they gave up a lot. But, you know, if, if he's pitching well in the postseason this year or next year or the year after that, uh, yeah, I think we'll all make our peace with it. And I do wonder if they thought the um... – the Lucor trade was going to go through. I wonder if they would have given up Greg Allen and Clint Frazier in two separate trades because that kind of thins out their, far, their outfielders quite a bit. I mean, I think to even trade one of them, Tyler Naquin probably helped a little bit with how good he's been. Maybe even Yandy Diaz in AAA, how well he's played in the outfield. So I think maybe before this season, they wouldn't have made either of these trades. But just the way they've been playing and the way the farm system is set right now, I guess it made sense. I don't know. I'll get over it in a couple weeks when Clint Frazier starts to look like a Yankee and then. You <laughs> just need to watch side. Miller pitch the way he did today. Right. You yeah. <laughs> you'll be able to remember the names of the prospects the Indians had to give up to get them. Yeah, and apparently Frazier, he said on his um, on his phone, he's got Harold Reynolds and Andrew Wiggins. So, I mean, <laughs> he can have fun in New York. <laughs> and then the other trade uh, the Indians made, which wasn't quite as big, but it could have a huge impact anyway, is Brandon Geyer. We saw him today. He debuted. He had, I think he drew a walk and had a hit. But either way, he was traded for Nathan Lukes and a pitcher. And then to make room for him and Miller in the end, uh, Juan Uribe was DFA'd. So we can kind of combine these two things, I think. Um, yeah, what do you think of the Geyer trade first? Yeah, I mean, it's a nice minor trade. Uh, you know, it doesn't move the needle a ton. Um, but they gave up nothing of concern and got someone who, you know, in, in a platoon situation is an improvement for them. You know, it's... When you're in contention this time of year, if you can give up basically nothing for a very small improvement, you should do it because every small improvement could be the small difference. Yeah, definitely. And especially where the Indians are, they don't need, well, of course they need, they could use huge impacts, but they can do little tankering trades, I think. Um, yeah, that's basically how I feel too. They got their platoon bat. I wish it would make um, Abraham Amante expendable, but I'm sure they're going to DFA a catcher, or not a catcher, but a pitcher or somebody else. You have like five outfielders on the roster for some reason. And then they just claim Michael Martinez today. He's going to be on the roster again. So somebody else has gone there. I don't know. Yeah, And also, of course, Juan Uribe DFA'd. Any Unknown for the Indians at this point is the guys who are on the DL right now, are they going to be back? When are they going to be back? How close to 100% are they going to be? I mean, they, in theory, could still be getting an all-star left fielder back before the end of the season, uh, which would, you know, have as big an impact as the Miller trade. Uh, 
So, you know, there's nothing we can do but wait and see on that. Um, and, you know, Uribe, uh, fantastic clubhouse presence. I'm glad he was on the team for a while. Uh, we've got video clips and memes and stuff like that from his time here <laughs> that I think we'll, we'll long cherish. Uh, but just in terms of production, you know, I think it made sense that he was pushed out. Uh, it'd be cool if there was a way to keep him involved with the team. Uh, but I imagine he's hoping he can still catch on somewhere else. We'll see. Yeah, I heard the Mets are interested in bringing him back. But yeah, he was just great on the team, I think. He should have taken up the offer of <laughs> taking a Mike Trout fastball every couple weeks to be good. But he didn't want to. He didn't believe in our power. So whatever, Uribe, that's fine. Um, yeah, dude, I'm, I wonder if he'll be a coach. I'm, he has to be at some point, right? Maybe not now. He can still play, but... I think this year and at least the beginning of next year, he'll try to keep playing. But yeah, when, when he decides to call it a career as a player, I think he'll have lots of offers to coach, and he seems like someone who'd be interested in doing that. Um, is there anybody that the Indians didn't get that you particularly wanted? I mean, other than Luke Roy, obviously, because they almost had him, but anybody maybe they didn't even try to get, or there was rumors or anything, or just anybody, any other player that you wish they would have got besides Miller and Geyer? Really? I mean, you know, I guess you could argue... A, a second new bullpen arm would have been helpful, but Miller's such a good bullpen arm that I, I'm content with the upgrade to the bullpen. Uh, and yeah, I mean, otherwise, I still feel pretty good about the lineup. I'd feel better about the lineup if, you know, 2014, 2015, Michael Brantley could rejoin it. But, I, you know, it, I feel like they're in pretty good shape. I don't feel like they missed any big opportunities other than being rejected by LaCroix, uh, which, you know, I don't know that there's much they could have done about that except for avoiding his the team option on his contract, which would have been galactically stupid. So Especially there's nothing the they could have done that wouldn't have been galactically stupid. So <laughs> I feel pretty good about stuff. Yeah, and there's also the chance they could do a waiver wire deal. Um, that always can happen later, but I don't know what they'll be looking for. Maybe just a reliever or... I can't imagine you get a very good catcher on, on waivers, but... So we're pretty much stuck with the catchers we have, maybe a reliever or something like that. But Plays, it's hard to get that. anyone very good in that situation just because someone worse than you is probably going to claim the same guys you claim. Um, but, yeah. but we'll see. So uh, moving on, we'll look, start looking ahead to the next series. It's going to be the Indians against the Yankees. Uh, at this time, the Yankees are going to be playing tonight, so we won't know for sure. But right now, they've... Uh, they're they're winning the series two to one against the Mets, but of course they were sellers at the deadline. They lost who was it? Carlos Beltran, uh, Andrew Miller, Roldis Chapman. Somehow they managed to dump Ivan Nova. <laughs> I think that was it, right? Those four is what they lost. Wasn't yeah, there somebody else. I swear there was somebody else. They acquired Tyler Clifford for some unknown reason. Yeah, <laughs> well he's under control for a couple more seasons, I think. But but like you said in the trade deadline section, um, holy cow, their farm system is really good now. They made a bunch of really good trades, and they even said. I think it was yesterday or today that their plan was to trade Chapman first so they could bump up the pressure for whoever was trading for Miller. So it's yeah, nice I, that we played him. Yeah, mind, Kevin, uh, when they were saying they weren't going to trade Miller, he said they'll trade him. He said they're saying that to drive up the price on Chapman because people think Chapman's the only one available. And then as soon as Chapman's gone, they'll say, oh, Miller's available too. And so, Kevin, you were exactly right. <laughs> Way to go, Kevin. He really nailed that. I don't know. Did anybody really think they would keep him? I guess there was. It kind of looked like they might because he's under control. But I, I bought into the idea that the Steinbrenners wouldn't go for that big a, a sell-off. I think Cashman had to work pretty hard to get permission to to trade any of those guys away, and then did a fantastic job. But you know, we've never really seen Brian Cashman in that mode. Uh, but it turns out he is one <laughs> heck of a fire sale manager, GM. Yeah, I hate to 
admit this for the Yankees, but is this one of the best like selling deadlines in a long time? Yeah, I can't absolutely. think of one team like I said, that they had a this well. pretty mediocre farm system, and then I can't remember what outlet it was yesterday. Maybe MLB Pipeline released like its top ten farm systems, and I think the Yankees were number two on it. So they went from like back of the pack to you know top three in a week. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty scary. I hope part of the core in the next ten years isn't Clint Frazier. I hope something. Maybe he's just not very good, and he stays in the minors. But they've got their core for the while now. I just hope it isn't the '90s Yankees again, because that would be unbearable. But there's something there. And for what it's worth, uh, the Indians were like apparently down to the wire with Carlos Beltran. And wow, am I glad they didn't get him? Because if he got Dylan Tate, I think it was, which is like a top five pitcher last season, that would have been the equivalent of like Tristan McKenzie and then some probably. So thank you for not doing that. Because first of all, he doesn't fit anywhere. He's a DH. That would have been way too much for him, I think. I wouldn't want that many. To help the Yankees that much with prospects. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, even if it wasn't that much, he just... I don't know why people wanted him so bad in, in uh, Cleveland. And another sort of Cleveland-related thing is... I'm going to ask Tanya about this, too, but... Did you notice how good Didi Gregorius is? Yes. <laughs> what the heck? It, the, our joke of that the Reds traded Trevor Bauer for Didi Gregorius doesn't work anymore because he's good. I don't like it. <laughs> he's hitting well, really well. None of the other teams involved in that trade have him anymore, so on some level, the joke is still on them. <laughs> so they traded nothing for Trevor Bauer, basically. I don't know what they got for the Yan- for Gregarious from the Yankees, but based on the recent trades, I'm guessing it wasn't much. Because they didn't get much for Jay Bruce either, I don't think, did they? They were going to get yeah, I M-O think the, the Reds got a, someone decent for him. I saw Mets fans on Twitter who were bummed about it, so they gave up oh, yeah, enough to bum good. out some of their fans. <laughs> that's that's how you know it's at least a little bit good. They have to feel bad about that Aroldis Chapman trade now, though, because they yeah. compared to what the Yankees got. Oh, that's they didn't get much. <laughs> I can see why they did it, just as like a trading away a bad person trade, but purely as a baseball thing, that can't feel good. No, and frankly, they made it as a baseball move. I mean, let's not kid yeah. ourselves that they were like, oh, you know, we think he's a bad person and don't want him involved in the organization. It was a baseball trade. They were just selling low, and the Yankees <laughs> clearly sold high. <laughs> I think they were betting on either he wouldn't be good after the suspension or like the news would get worse, he'd get suspended longer, something that hurt his value, but they just lost really bad on that bet. Yeah, and, and like you said, the Yankees also got uh, Tyler Clippard, and somehow they dumped Devon Nova, who this year, he's not good. I'm trying to grab his stats now, but he's really bad. They just wanted him gone. I saw a bunch of or Yankees fans had no faith that he would be gone, but they traded him to the Pirates, who probably had one of the worst deadlines. They also traded away Francisco Liriano for some reason, but they're not a selling team. They're kind of, they kind of bought themselves back to where they were, so I don't know what they're doing, but... Yankees had a good trade deadline. Uh, hopefully it won't amount to a good team going forward because they're not going to be good. <laughs> um, are you worried about this series at all? It's going to be a night game tomorrow and then two afternoon games in New York. Oh, I'm always worried about playing the Yankees. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Indians are clearly the better team. Uh, but, uh, yeah, everything with the Yankees is a worry to me. And, you know, with, uh, you know, Tomlin, I think, goes tomorrow. Uh, He wasn't involved in the disastrous three games against the Twins, and either was Kluber, who's pitching Saturday. Uh, And then I think Carrasco goes Sunday, so hopefully he can turn it back around. I mean, you know, it's the same as we've been saying. The Indians have the better starting pitcher in all three games, 
the Indians have a better lineup than the Yankees. The Indians are a better team than the Yankees. So in theory, they should win the series. I just have a hard time looking at series that way, though. I mean, I know a lot like, you know, people want to predict what's going to happen. I'm fine making a prediction. But uh, in terms of how I feel going into a regular season series, it's really almost never any different uh, against one team than another. Yeah, it's almost hard with the Indian staff because if you look at everyone on paper, they should be like undefeated by now. <laughs> if you're just looking at pitching matchups, but of course, people have bad games that you can't really know about, so it ends up being worthless. And I don't know if you'll like this or hate this, but tomorrow night, the Yankees, they're going to have R2-D2 knit cap night. So there you Ooh, go. I would like that, except for I'm sure it has a Yankees logo on it. In which yep, case, right on the band. <laughs> So they ruined R2-D2 completely. <laughs> <laughs> they ruined my Star Wars childhood, basically. Empire, not cool, R2. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we'll have Tanya Bondurant from Pinstripe Valley. We are back now, joined by Tanya Bondurant of Pinstripe Alley to preview the Yankee series, talk about the trades, just a little bit of everything. How are you doing, Tanya? Good, how are you? Good. Uh, wasn't very fun watching the Indians games over these past couple games, but at least today was fun. Or it'll be yesterday by the time this comes out. But the Indians won. I know while we're recording this, the Yankees haven't played quite yet, but how have things been with the Mets series so far? Well, the Yankees are a 500 team, and they're really fleshing that out. Uh, they'll... Win one, lose one, nothing is a surprise at this point. That's kind of where the Indians were last season. It's it's pretty boring to watch, isn't it? Yes, very. Yeah. Is, is this kind of unfamiliar territory, being a Yankees fan? Because I know we're, we're used to it, having these big losing seasons and selling off, but me and Jason couldn't remember the last time <clears throat> the Yankees even did it. So is this kind of new territory? Oh, wow, really? <laughs> I was born in 1989. So, uh, yeah, it, it's very weird. That was the last time they just had a big fire sale like this? Yeah. Yeah, they, you got to admit this one's pretty good. We were talking earlier. This is probably one of the best, just pure rebuilding, fire sale dumping things we've seen in a long time. They made a lot of really great deals. Yeah, they they were able to get a lot of good things, and you know, part of that was the fact that the market was just crazy for, especially relievers. Um, you know, basically, you could get a lot for a reliever um, on the market, and with the Yankees having three like super good relievers they were able to basically completely overhaul their farm system with a couple trades and of course one of those was the yankees uh trading andrew miller to the indians which so we'll talk about in a minute what what you think how the yankees package for that was but what can we expect out of andrew miller just looking at twitter i get the idea that yankees fans kind of loved him while he was there oh yeah um is that the kind of thing we should be expecting in the cleveland um i think that Miller was just, he's a very, like, calming presence. He he didn't, you know, seem to ever really be phased by tough situations. And, um, you know, Yankees fans have been really lucky to have, you know, Mariano Rivera in the bullpen for so long. And he wasn't a closer who you had to worry about. And I think that Miller was a return to that kind of safety blanket so he's got some great uh, entrance music and is just, he's a really great pitcher and we're really going to miss him. <laughs> what is his intro music? I didn't even think to look that up yet. It's Johnny Cash, God's Gonna Cut You Down. Oh, that's cool. That's cool it's, for a reliever. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. 
So you mentioned him as a closer, but it looks like so far, I mean, today, well, the Indians first brought him in on Monday. It was just kind of junk time, like the fourth inning, they were down by eight just to get him out there, I guess. And then today he was brought in in the sixth inning with two outs and a 4-2 lead. And then he closed out that inning and then he finished the seventh. Has he ever really been used like that in New York? I know he wasn't a closer, but was he always an eighth inning guy? Or was he ever kind of like a floating, just use him wherever the highest leverage is kind of reliever? Well, I think we would have preferred that he be used that way. But Joe Girardi is not really interested in that sort of strategy. Um, He was the closer last year. And then he moved to the setup role this year um, after they acquired uh, Chapman. So he's definitely been brought in, you know, at the end of the seventh, if there was a jam he needed to get out of and he could definitely go more than one inning, which was good. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to like maximize his value, then using him in a tough position, whenever that is, is definitely the way to go. Yeah. I wish, I wish I could convince our Twitter followers of that, but But I completely agree. (laughs) We're pretty excited about the way it looks like he's being used so far. So that'll be fun to watch at least. Um, What kind of reception do you think he's going to get in New York? Like a standing ovation when he comes in or? I hope so. Um, I think that he really endeared himself to Yankees fans because he was always, he never complained when he lost the closer role to Chapman and he was kind of dangled on the trading block a lot. And he never complained about that. So I hope that they give him a warm reception. I think they will because I know that it's not like he chose to leave or anything like that. So I'm I'm thinking he'll he'll get a nice welcome back. Yeah, and he had nothing nothing but nice things to say about the Yankees when he first came over too. Um, so on the other flip side of things, uh, as you I'm sure you know now, and you've probably written about. The Yankees got a ton for just two and a half years of a reliever. They got outfield Clinton, who was the Indians' top prospect, who I'm pretty sure is now the Yankees' top prospect. Yes. And they also got Justice Sheffield, who was the Indians' second pitching prospect on most lists behind Brady Aiken. And then also two relievers, J.P. Fireisen, Ben Heller. So before I even just mention anything about them, what is just kind of... I just want to know what the Yankees' feelings is on those players. I'm... I'm guessing off the top of my head, maybe there's some happiness with what the package was, but just what's the general feeling on each individual player? Like, when do you think they might be up and that kind of thing? I mean, I think that the general feeling is that's exactly why you go out and trade Andrew Miller, um, because you can get that kind of farm altering package for him. Um, I know that they're talking about calling Heller up in a matter of weeks um, because the bullpen has kind of uh, taken a little bit of a hit. I think that Frazier will probably be up at some point next year. Um, But a lot of that is really interesting because the outfield is just really jammed up right now. Um, They have Gardner and Ellsbury and um, Aaron Judge is going to be called up in a few weeks. So I could see them trying to trade Gardner in the offseason. I could see them trying to trade one of Judge or Frazier in the offseason to try to get some pitching. There are a lot of things that could happen now that they sort of retool everything on the farm. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say for someone who's not a Yankee fan, but I think he's going to be really good in New York. And uh, just all the way up to the farm system is always evident how big of a personality he had. I was excited just to see it in Cleveland media, and I really can't wait to see how it comes out in New York media. Somebody said, I can't remember their name, he'd be a folk hero in New York, which I think is going to be the case. Um, So we're trying to slowly forget about him, but I don't think we'll be able to. (laughs) And I saw a picture, he was cutting his hair, but it looks like he kept a lot of it. 
Yeah. Have you seen it, anything about that? Yeah, it looks like he he definitely didn't go as short as some of us were thinking. Um, we have another outfield prospect whose name is Ben Gamble, and uh, he definitely has longer hair than the Yankees are sort of used to. And I think that uh, if he can get away with it, maybe Clint Frazier can get away with it too. <laughs> what are the rules generally generally for the Yankees' hair? Are they supposed to have it under the hat? I think it just can't touch your collar. I think anything shorter than that is okay. But, you know, of course there's like, you know, Johnny Damon had to cut his hair and um, Darnell McDonald kind of had this weird, he was on the Yankees for like a week and he had to cut off all of his dreadlocks and he kept them in a bag. That was a sort of weird situation. Um, So the hair rules are definitely uh, a little bit weird, but I think as long as it's mostly contained by the hat that it'll be okay. I think that'll calm some fears a little bit because, I mean, his hair was already legendary over here in the minors. <laughs> I mean, we called him Red Thunder. Cool. I think he's carried that nickname over. Yeah, he's he's asking for um, dates on Twitter now. I saw that. I he wants to date an Instagram model or something? Yeah. <laughs> he's fitting right into New York big personality stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all the trade stuff, I think. Um, Yankees got a lot. Indians, or Yankees got a ton. Indians got, I think, a pretty good reliever, so... Just looking back to right now, what is the general state of the Yankees? I mean, are they going to be a really terrible team in the second half? Or are they just sort of kind of selling off to be mediocre or what? Um, I think that they'll probably hover somewhere around 500. I mean, I can't see them, you know, being all out terrible. Um, but, you know, I could see it going to like five games under 500 at some point because the offense is just not really good and um they're gonna let a lot of prospects have a go at it they've called up gary sanchez they're gonna call up judge etc so um i don't think they're going to you know try too hard to win as much as get people experience if that makes sense yeah that's, that's i think it's probably not the worst way to lose I think it's yeah. worse when you have a bunch of veterans and they're just not doing well. I'm okay with no, losing no, the prospect. No. Um, so I guess another trade question, kind of, is how in the world did they manage to dump Ivan Nova? And how excited are Yankees fans about that? <laughs> we were on Slack when that was happening. And we were just like, take whatever, like, if they are offering a pizza, take a pizza. If they are offering, like, laundry detergent, take it do whatever, because we have been trying to personally unload Yvonne Nova forever. And in the SB Nation off-season simulation, we couldn't even give him away for a dollar. <laughs> like a real dollar you're going to pay somebody? Well, it was the, we were doing the fantasy trading, you know, stuff yeah. um, in the off-season. And we were like, seriously, just just a dollar. Anybody <laughs> take him. And nobody oh, would take him. Wow. So, um, the fact that Somehow they got two people with pulses, apparently. Um, it, Brian Cashman is a magician. What was it about Ivan Nova and Jerry? Is it just because he's not good, or is there like a personality thing? I mean, I don't follow him at all. I didn't know until like right up to the deadline how much Yankee fans apparently disliked him. He's one of those guys who, and like, I know that you almost have to be this way, but he's like, I think I'm the best pitcher in the world. And it's like, no, dude, you are not. <laughs> So, um, you know, he'd go out there and get just trashed. And, you know, I, I thought I did pretty well. And it's like, no, you did it. No. <laughs> so yeah, I, can see I think that, that was frustrating. Yeah. Um, so another pitcher, uh, what can we expect from Michael Pineda tomorrow? I mean, I've been 
kind of somebody who's followed the Mariners for a while. And I remember when they had him and he was really exciting and then they traded him for Jesus Montero and then he just hasn't done anything with the Yankees. So what's up with him and is is he some kind of turnaround coming anytime soon or anything for him? Mm-mm. No. No. <laughs> um, I would have loved to see them uh, ship him off as well, to be honest. Um, Pineda is infuriating because... He will. He's one of those pitchers who almost throws too many strikes, and that means leaving pitches a little bit too much in the middle of the plate, and they get you know rocketed out of Yankee Stadium, and he just looks shocked every time. <laughs> I'm like, how are you surprised by this? It happens every time, um, and he he just falls apart. Like if he has a rough inning. If things start to get away from him, if somebody makes a bad play in the field, it just, you can see him lose it. And that part is very frustrating because it's like, come on, man. You're like, in your, like, you're almost 30. You have to keep it together. <laughs> um, but like, the, the pitching coach will have to go out and just, like, try to calm him down. It just never works. And he just, it, you can read it all over his face how frustrated he is. And it's never good. <laughs> I, mean, I remember he was so exciting in the minors when he first came up. He was, like, touching 100. And mm-hmm. So what is the feeling on that trade? I mean, you got rid of Montero, who did literally nothing. So do you wish that trade wouldn't have happened so you could just have Montero toiling somewhere instead of Pineda in the majors? I think, well, see, uh, Pineda tore his labrum. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, really changed how he was able to pitch. And that was, like, right after the trade, too, right? Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, so I don't miss Montero because... I mean, that obviously was a dumpster fire. Um, But I feel like both teams just traded nothingness. And um, the second part of the Montero trade was Jose Campos, who actually got traded at the deadline for Tyler Clifford. So um, nearly complete on that because Pineda will be a free agent after next season if he's not traded before then. And I think that both teams will just kind of walk away and hope that people don't mention it too many times <laughs> in the future. Then the Yankees basically end up with Tyler Clippert a few years later. That's not a bad trade-off, I don't think. Bringing him back after they sent right, him away yeah. for the worst deal that I think Cashman has made. <laughs> what was that one? It was Tyler Clifford for Jonathan Albaladejo. Oh. And then Remember Tyler that. Clifford went on to be very good. <laughs> and Al Valdejo went on to be not good. <laughs> so, uh, with all the Indians prospects you now have, and all the clubs, the Cubs prospects you now have, uh, is there a general idea of when the Yankees' window to win is going to be now, or is it still kind of too far off to know? Um, I would guess that it's probably. I could see them being competitive in maybe two years, maybe three years. Um, I don't think next year will be great, just because the free agent market is not great um so they're gonna have to really dig deep to find enough within to get by i think they should probably be a little bit closer to contention than they are this year next year but i think as far as trying to put together a solid run is probably two to three years away so right when that big 2018 free agent hits they're going to be able to sign somebody big to an already good team then yeah that's that's (laughs) the goal because you know, so much money is coming off the books. They have Teixeira um, coming off this year, and then next year they have CC and A-Rod and um, 
it should be able to reset their penalties, which they have been trying to do for a while. Obviously, everybody wants them to go get Bryce Harper, but so does everyone else. (laughs) It's true. So, yeah, they should be able to spend, and I think they will, just because they don't want to continue sort of mediocrity forever. But, yeah, it should, uh, should hopefully be pretty good, and they've obviously got a lot of prospects now that they could potentially i mean one of the names that has been thrown around is like the yankees could go get sale if they wanted to now (laughs) um which just the fact that anyone can like honestly say that is kind of crazy to me because two years ago the farm system was not very good at all um it's quite a turnaround yeah it's scary what cashman did in one year with a couple old players that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) so our last question uh for years one of our favorite jokes was the fact that the Reds traded D.D. Gregorius for Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the Indians gave up more than that, but the Reds somehow just wound up, or not the Reds, the Diamondbacks, they just somehow wound up with Gregorius. He was just kind of thrown in by the Reds. The Reds got Sin Chu Chu, and the Indians got Trevor Bauer. But all of a sudden, Gregorius is really good? Mm-hmm. What happened? <laughs> I He learned to hit lefties. <laughs> and he's um, slashing, or he's slugging 455 this season. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean, lefty in Yankee Stadium, that'll help. Um, he learned to hit lefties, that'll help. Um, he's just been really, really good. And it's kind of crazy because a lot of us thought that he would just be like a stopgap sort of player, you know, to transition from Jeter until someone on the farm was ready and that sort of thing. But if he keeps playing like this, then he will definitely be a player to build around rather than just a passing fill in. Um, but he is, everyone's in love with him. He's, he's <laughs> a lot of fun. So it's nice to see that he's doing really well. Well, I guess at the very least, Indians and Yankees fans can both laugh at the Diamondbacks now because they, they have nothing for Trevor Bauer now. We, what we are, laugh what at the Diamondbacks yeah, everybody for, for Didi? Yeah. Um, Shane Green. So, yeah, we can all laugh at the Diamondbacks. And <laughs> Who is on the Tigers and is not yeah. good. Yeah. And then the Diamondbacks have those uniforms, so, I mean, they kind of want to be laughed at, so it works. And and then there was the time that they traded uh, Brandon McCarthy for Vidal Nunez and gave the Yankees cash, and then McCarthy <laughs> was, like, really good. Pretty sure we could do a whole episode on just oh, yeah. laughing at bad Diamondbacks <laughs> trades <laughs> in the last five yeah. years. <laughs> okay well that is all i had tanya uh thank you again uh, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you on twitter websites anything like that well i am on twitter at tanya bondura and i'm on pinstripe alley at the same cool and i already know i pronounced your name wrong earlier in the podcast so if you listen i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i was way off but i got it right in the interview now that i asked you so that's all right i'll try I'm to edit kidding. it in and see if i can be sneaky with it <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, thank you again. And uh, everybody else, stick around. We will be back. And welcome back. And thank you again, Tanya, for the preview of the Yankees. Um, Hopefully it'll go well. I don't know if it will, but I would really like it to. I don't want to lose to the Yankees. I live near Yankees fans. I live in Yankee territory. I would like for that not to happen at all. Agreed. The only good thing for me is that I get to watch on TV instead of MLB TV. 
because I don't know if you've seen me complain on Twitter, but I complain on Twitter a lot <laughs> that it lags all the time. It's horrible, but at least they get to watch. Even if it's the Yankees broadcast, they get to watch without lag, so that'll be fun. BTV like moves its lags around regionally year to year because my MLB TV this year has been really fine. Uh, oh, I think it was two years ago was the miserable year for me where like <laughs> everything was just junk. Yeah. That's, it's been like that for me since 2012. Oh, well, so it has yeah, a that's a bummer. Yeah. Okay. So let's just get right into the social media questions. Uh, we got a bunch of them. If you didn't already know, you can follow us on Let's Go Tribe on Twitter or Facebook. And I'll ask usually Thursday mornings, Thursday afternoon, depending on when we record, I'll ask for questions. Um, we got quite a few good ones this time. As I said at the top of the show, a lot of them were angry sarcastic questions about the twins but i think i boiled those down enough into little things so the first one is at dr andy b on twitter he wants to know what's the plan for first base dh next year are they letting napoli and santana walk are they going to bring back one or both you want to take that one uh yeah i mean carlos santana has a team option for next year that i'd be very surprised if the team didn't pick up um so i expect he'll be back uh, and Napoli, I'm sure they'll try to bring back on another one-year deal. Um, and so if he's up for that, then I think they'll have a pretty similar situation uh, to what we've seen this year. I think the tricky thing with Napoli is, uh, you know, he's, what, $7 million this year, I think? Maybe a little bit more than that, 8 something like that. Um, going to cost a lot more money next year. Uh, and I don't know that he's necessarily going to be worth a whole lot more money because the home runs are great. I love the fact that he's hit 27 home runs, but his defense hasn't been very good. And because his batting average and walk rate aren't fantastic, his overall offensive production is good, but not great. Um, but if he ends the year with, you know, he's on pace for 40, 40 plus home runs. If he hits 40 home runs, he's going to, I think, cost more than he'll really be worth. Um, Is he so that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And, of course, the average Indian span, if he hits 40 home runs and they're not willing to pay him you know, $15, $20 million or sign him to a multi-year deal, they're going to flip out. But okay. I think the front office you know, will look beyond the 40 home runs. So, yeah, I, I think... Uh, a lot of it will depend on how Napoli finishes out the season and, and what he wants to do next year. But I think Santana will be back. Yeah. Um, do, do you think uh, Napoli is in the qualifying offer territory or not quite? I think it's going to be like $16 million this year or something like that. Do you like – I? yeah, I mean, if he hits 40 home runs, I guess he is. <laughs> someone – if it's not the Indians, someone's going to be willing to top the qualifying offer, I'm sure. So, yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. Um and that's a I pretty big gamble he for the Indians, runs to make the qualifying offer, and worst case, in some ways, he accepts it, and you're paying a little more than you probably should for someone with his non-home run hitting skills. Uh, and otherwise, you get a good draft pick for him. So, yeah, I hadn't even thought about him playing his way into that. But you're right. If he 35, 40 home runs, he will play himself into that role. Yeah, it'll be close. I mean, it's going to be a pretty big gamble because if he does that and he accept it, accepts it, and then they do Carlos's club option. That's $28 million tied between a DH and a first baseman. Sort yep. of combo player there. Yeah. Although if they did it this year again, it might be worth it just to do it. <laughs> but again, yeah, I mean, it, it would be a gamble, but it'd be steep for one year at least. So you're not, you know, you're not committing for beyond the one season. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting possibility, the qualifying offer. Uh, next question comes from at Stan Finger. Stan Finger. 
He wants to know uh, how concerned should tribes, tribe fans be over performances in the Twin Series. Well, he asked this before today's game. <laughs> and I bet if he asked again, the question would be, the Indians are so awesome. I can't believe how good they are. So basically my answer is no. I mean, be worried about maybe some individual players, like the, the, the pitchers that are doing really bad. Maybe worry about them in the short term, but as far as the whole season goes, wait like two weeks, save everything you're saying now, and just look back at it and see how ridiculous it looks. Because the Indians are not going to be this bad forever. I mean, they weren't this bad today. Um, the pitching staff's going to bounce back eventually. Salazar, obviously something's wrong with his elbow. Um, Carrasco, he's not going to give up eight runs in three innings. Neither is Trevor Bauer. And then Kluber's really good. He didn't even get to pitch in the Twin Series, so they're going to be fine in the long run. Maybe the, the division will be a little bit competitive now, but I still think they're going to win it. Maybe not quite run away with it, but I'm not worried about the season as a whole yet. Maybe short term, but not across the whole season. I'm not worried about the season as a whole. I'm not worried about the team as a whole. I think worrying about Danny Salazar is completely okay, just because his elbow is bothering him, and there's a totally real chance that he ends up not being an effective pitcher for the rest of the season. Um, you know, so in terms of like worrying about individual players, uh, I'm not worried about Carrasco or Bauer, uh, and I'm not worried about any of the hitters because the offense scored runs in all of those losses. But uh, I do think uh, there's reason to be worried that Salazar is, uh, is is lost for the year in terms of being an effective pitcher because it's not just his game against the Twins. He hasn't been good since June. So there's definitely something wrong there. And I have already said, I don't think giving him a week of rest and bringing him back after, you know, two and a half weeks is a good plan for the Indians. I think he should he should sit longer and be held out, uh, held off the roster longer. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to hear from an MRI that there's damage, but it's almost worse just hearing, we don't know. <laughs> He's just not doing good, so we're going to sit him out. That's kind of terrifying. Part of me just wants to hear, okay, there's something broke or ripped let's fix it but they don't know so if he comes back and he's done effective for another couple weeks that's going to be a little terrifying for like this year and into the future i think yeah and the indians still have a good rotation without him i mean kluber carrasco bauer tomlin clevenger is is better than most rotations so it's not that the starting pitching is suddenly a weakness or anything like that um but salazar was was really good the first half of the season so it would be a blow if he's not able to get back to that before the end of the year. Uh, so next question is at Ryan Floor Four on Twitter. He wants to know why do we keep giving Abe Abe Almonte time over guys like Naquin when he can't help us in the postseason anyway? Thanks. Um, because the postseason's not here yet. I mean, we, what he's <laughs> alluding to there is the fact that Almonte is not allowed on a postseason roster because of his PED suspension. Um, but if Francona thinks he's going to help the team get to the postseason, the fact that he won't be on the roster then doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I don't think Almonte's a great player, uh, but the Indians have sort of a hodgepodge, multiple platoon sort of outfield right now. And, uh, you know, at some point you're using a lot of roster spots to fill those positions. Uh, and if Brantley comes back and is back to his old self and Almonte's gone then, I'm fine with it. But uh, the fact that Almonte can't be on the postseason roster should have absolutely nothing to do with whether he's on the roster right now. Yeah, I don't know where that, that thought process comes from. I guess people just think that you should only have the teams who can play in the postseason so they get better now or something. But why not have fresher legs for the postseason and let Abel Monte run himself into the ground. I mean, I, I would rather have somebody else over Almonte, even like Diaz at this point, but 
not because he's not going to be on the playoff roster. You want to get to the playoffs. After that, you can deal with him not being there. But yeah, I agree. I don't I don't really have anything to add to that one. Um, so next one comes from Dan Magri on Facebook. He asked, I heard Antoni talk about Brantley returning sometime before the end of the month. Sots, is that feasible? And then he said, I also heard whispers of Zimmer being called up in September. Is that true? So I'll take the Zimmer part if you don't take the first one. Um, I don't think he'll be called up in September, but holy cow, he's been really good in AAA so far. <laughs> he has a hit in almost every single game. He had his first homer. He's had multi-hit games. He's looked great in center field. I mean, our, our initial thought was going to be maybe Frazier could come up in September. I don't think we even considered Zimmer until next year, but if he keeps hitting this way, maybe. I would say the one to look forward more is Diaz at this point coming up. He's played right field, third base. I think he's played second base. He's played left field. I think if anything, he comes up, he kind of seems like a Tito guy anyway because he can play a bunch of positions. So maybe not this season for Frazier, especially because of the way Naquin's playing, so he's not going to play in center field. He's going to have to be in a corner outfield spot probably. So I would say probably not. He'll be competing in spring training next season with Naquin, uh, probably not getting the starting job then and starting in AAA and eventually coming up next year, I would say. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if he keeps hitting well and if Michael Brantley can't get back and if... You know, guys like Geyer and Almonte, uh, you know, really aren't playing well. I mean, I think there's a non-zero chance they would call him up, which, you know, at no point until recently would I have thought there was any chance. But I, I wouldn't think that's sort of in the plans for him to be up this year. Nope. Uh, and as for Brantley, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know how anyone can think they know when he's going to be back at this point. Um I mean, you know, it's almost a week into August. Uh, I would, I mean, similar to Salazar, I would love to have him back at pretty darn close to 100% when, you know, September rolls around. Uh, And if anything, I'm sort of gun-shy about bringing him back soon in the meantime just because it went so poorly last time. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. I I just don't want him back too soon this time. At this point, the team can play without him. If he's going to come back and get injured again, I mean, of course they can't know that, but just make sure he is 130,000% before he comes back this time. Uh, So our last question is Brad Susany on Facebook. He wants to know, do you think getting pounded by the Twins or at the bottom of the MLB has anything to do with the distractions regarding Lucroy and analysts overpraising us as the World Series favorites once we landed Miller? No. I don't think those kind of distractions really matter. If anything, the Lucroy thing kind of galvanized the clubhouse. I mean, I think you and I, we kind of buy into the human clubhouse element a little more than some people. But even then, I don't think, no. (laughs) They just got pounded because the Twins are hitting really well and the Indians are pitching really bad. Yeah, I just, I mean, as disappointed from a baseball player on the Indians' perspective as I am about not having Lucroy, uh... I don't think missing out on a player in a trade is the kind of thing that rattles a team. Like you said, if anything, it brings them together. Uh, I think it's, you know, I mean, for whatever reason, they've been bad against the Twins this year, and that's probably just small sample flukiness. Uh, but, you know, the, the trade deadline rumors were going on when they were sweeping the A's, too. So I don't, I don't think the two are related. Nope, not at all. So that's, that's pretty much all we have. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll be a lot better baseball this upcoming week, but anything interesting going on for you? Uh, I got a wedding to go to a Sunday wedding. So I got a Sunday wedding this weekend. 
Our dog got sprayed by a skunk a few days ago. So <laughs> really? Dealing that with that. Uh, no, nothing much else going on. You know, watching cartoons when I was a kid, I thought getting sprayed with a skunk is something that would happen a lot more often. <laughs> yeah, it turns I mean, out it not to come up with that. Yeah, I was always prepared to go in a tomato bath or whatever they do, but it, it's never come up. <laughs> How'd your dog end up getting sprayed? Just taking him for a walk? Uh, yeah, we were actually we were up in Michigan. My uh, my father in law has a farmhouse up there that we you know go up to for a few days, a couple times a year. And so we let her off the leash, and she went up a hill that's on the the property there, and came charging down the hill like. <laughs> absurdly fast and then when she hit the bottom started like frantically rolling around in the in the grass oh poor dog split second after that we could smell the skunk and knew immediately what was going on so, <laughs> so you couldn't see it happen didn't see it happen uh but yeah between the smell and her frantic desire to rip her own skin off uh, it was pretty clear what had happened so what do you do for a dog and a skunk do you just give it like, is there a special kind of soap, or do you do a tomato bath? Were the cartoons right when I was little? Apparently, like, just an old wives' tale. Uh, they say to oh. use peroxide, but uh, they also say not to use it around uh, the face, which is where animals tend to get sprayed, because they tend to be looking at the skunk when it happens. Uh, so we used, like, just a mix of dish soap and vinegar and washed her twice, and that helped. Um, you don't, like, she doesn't, like... The smell's not wafting off of her anymore, but when you get up close to her face, you can still smell it. They, they apparently make shampoos specifically for that, so this weekend, probably go try to track that down and see if it knacks out the rest of it. Cool. That sounds like an exciting weekend. Yes. So <laughs> this week's lesson is don't let your dog get sprayed by a skunk. It's a pain. <laughs> what was more painful, that or the Twin Series? Uh, the twin series. Yeah, Poor dog. <laughs> if your options are suffer through those first three games <laughs> against the twins or get sprayed by a skunk yourself, maybe that's a toss up. But your dog or a family member getting sprayed instead of you, you should definitely choose over those first three twins <laughs> games. Well, like your dog, I was mentally panicking and trying to rip my own skin off during those three games. So it's kind <laughs> of even, I think. <laughs> okay. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Of course, follow us everywhere, all that stuff. Let's go tribe.com. And we'll see you next week.